Today I'm speaking with Kelly Soder, principal at Jackson Elementary School in Medford, Oregon. She was named 2017 Oregon Elementary Principal of the Year by the Confederation of Oregon School Administrators and the Oregon Elementary School Principals Association. That's a mouthful. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Tell me about your path to become a principal. How did you get started in education? Well, I actually... Um, I come from a family with a variety of different educators, so it was always sort of one of those things that family thought would be the path I would take, and I um, I didn't I didn't quite think that as myself until later. And actually, one of the I've always loved working with children and being with um, families in that in that kind of a sense. But another big motivator for me actually was Spanish. I I speak Spanish. And um, after investing so much time in speaking Spanish and learning Spanish, I was really seeking a career that I could use and benefit from Spanish. And so I started volunteering with some schools and um, Spanish-speaking communities and looking for a right fit. And I it just brought me back to education. And um, I was fortunate enough and have been fortunate enough to find different teaching positions all in areas that have high concentrations of Spanish-speaking families. So it's just really led me on quite a path. You've been able to put that skill to use. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, And now you've been at Jackson Elementary in Medford since 2011. Tell me about the school and the community there. Jackson Elementary is just a gem of a school, um, just an absolutely beautiful building that was rebuilt in 2007 from the 1900s, and it's just the pride of the community. People remark all the time on what a beautiful building, brick beautiful building, lots of windows and light, just a gorgeous building, and we really we really see ourselves, and the community does too, as a community hub, a center for our community. Uh, the neighborhood is a challenged community. We are um, just about one square mile of our attendance area, and as you can imagine, um, not a, a vacant lot anywhere. It's just a really dense population primarily landlord um, rental and um, a lot of turnover in our neighborhood. Um, We have a lot of families that are um, doubled up and sharing housing. We also, in our attendance area, have a a strip of uh, hotel motels that we have a lot of families that are struggling that kind of filter in and out. So within this um, kind of community that's seeking um, stable housing is this beautiful school building. So we've really tried to capitalize on how that school can be a bit more than a traditional school and really become a community support for the community that we serve. And part of that is your approach to parent engagement. That's been a key piece of your work at Jackson. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, what that means? And then um, tell me about the Family Neighborhood Center that you have in operation. Sure. You know, when I first started at Jackson and everything is new and you're learning new things every day, one of the things we learned or I learned is we really didn't have as strong connections to our families as we needed. And it's just, you know, the age old belief in saying that parents are children's first teachers and the most influential. So we really started to think about the kids that were arriving to us in kindergarten and the enormous gaps we were seeing in their readiness and 
um, some really important instabilities we were seeing with families and a lack of relationship and connection and almost a lack of trust between parents and the school. And we really began to think about how we could think about that differently and how we might be able to build that trusting relationship, perhaps even before the child enters our kindergarten classroom, so that we already have a well-established relationship and there's trust there. And that really is what has influenced a lot of our parent engagement. We sort of felt like we could beat our head up against a wall and work as hard as we possibly could every day, but until we really reach our families and begin to think about supporting the whole family, we we would be fighting a battle that that is hard to see the results on and we just take the approach that you know children live in families they live in homes they're with families and parents far more than they are with us at school so if we really truly want to impact learning and we want to impact child and family success, we have to go through it. We have to go through the family. And the greatest benefit is that the whole family benefits. And then the children we see benefit. And and there came our Family Neighborhood Center. So it's, um, again, the idea of the, the school serving as a community hub. We get, began to think about some of those essential needs that families have. Clothing, food, transportation needs, diapers, someone that can tell them who to call or call for them for something that they need, sort of that, you know, wraparound support. And we just ask the question, why can't that be here? Why can't we have that support here? Why can't they come when they drop off their student and get a package of diapers? Why can't they come and talk to someone that can figure out how to get them bus passes? And so we created a space just within our, it's, the space has changed off and on, but we created a space within our building and we called it the Family Neighborhood Center, which is really just a a family space. We staffed it and we continue to staff it with a parent outreach coordinator that's actually a, a Jackson community parent herself. And we began to reach out to partners who can help us have a regular steady supply of diapers, who could give us bus passes and tokens. We've worked with Access is a community action organization for for food, clothing, emergency services. We've worked with our homeless liaison folks. We've worked with our coordinated care organizations. We've worked with shoe companies. You know, just really, it requires a lot of legwork, (laughs) but really trying to think about what are those basic needs and if we could address, kind of like a checklist, check off some things that families are struggling with and that's one less thing they have to worry about, maybe they'll be more likely to read with their kid at home and maybe they'll be more likely to come and have breakfast with them. That's great. How, How long has the center been open? We sort of carved out a space probably five years ago, and just had some makeshift shelves and things like that. It certainly looks far better now. We have a fancy sign. We have business <laughs> cards. We have it's little a, it's punch official. cards. It's, we're official. We have these little punch cards, kind of like a coffee card. You go to the coffee shop, and they give you a punch every time you come. Mm-hmm. So we have something similar. So every time you visit the Family Neighborhood Center or connect to one of our services or participate in one of our play groups, or you get a punch and then um, a family can come back when their punch card is full. And um, we have a variety of kind of just um, pleasure items, you know, like a, a basket full of movie night stuff. So there's popcorn and popcorn tin and movies and just sort of perks. That sounds great. Have you been able to see that the level of trust in the community has, has shifted because of some of, that, some of that work? You know, we sure think, we sure think so. 
we sometimes are challenged by um, perception, and the neighborhood that we serve is is very challenged. There is higher concern around some neighborhood residents with crime, instability, drug use, things like that. But the reality is these are our kids. That's the community we serve. So there's some perception in, you know, that can't be a good school because of the circumstances of our neighborhood. And that's something that we have heard. But more often than not, I hear things now around, I really want to go to your school because I hear that you have, and they'll start listing things. Like, I hear you have a neighborhood center. I hear you give out diapers. I hear you have a parent support person. And so that just really makes us feel so proud of the effort we have put forth, but also the hard work is is spreading out into the community, right? right? And we also hear others that say, I wasn't quite sure. I've, you know, I'm not, I wasn't quite sure. I thought maybe this was not the greatest school, but boy, was I wrong. This is, I mean, you know what I mean? Sure. So we certainly feel that way, but I think that there is never enough work we could possibly do to spread and, and spread the word, spread the awareness. And if just, if people could come visit, if they could see the kinds of things that our school and community work on together, I think that we would have no, I think that battle would be over. In addition, you have the Early Nurturing Center, which is a partnership with your Relief Nursery and is also the hub for preschool classes. So how and why did that get started? Again, right when I got started at Jackson, uh, you know, we noticed, which is nothing new, but this huge disparity of, of readiness for kids coming to kindergarten. So we started doing a survey of our kindergarten families kind of informally around what was their preschool experience prior. And I mean, shockingly, but perhaps not shocking, was we we were at 75% of our kids that weren't attending any formal high quality preschool experience before kindergarten. So of course, there's a huge gap in readiness. And I at the time was really fortunate to have a really great relationship with Mary Curtis Gramley, who's the founder of our Relief Nursery in Southern Oregon, um, the Family Nurturing Center. And she and I really lamented over this concern. And I fortunately had her support in thinking about how can we bring preschool right here and there to the Jackson neighborhood. So we created a partnership between the school and the Nurturing Center, and we carved out space. And we started um, a a, a privately funded, grant-funded preschool program. And we started with just two to three days a week, I think, two hours a day, just tiny. Because I think we had a $25,000 grant from um, the Walker Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. And we just thought, you know, if you've got this big piece of the pie and these are the kids that come to us, 25% are being served already according to their parents. And so of that 75% that's left, let's start chipping away at it. And that has steadily grown. And uh, we continue to get support from the Walker Fund at Oregon Community Foundation. And it has gone from two days to three days to four days to full day. And now we are fortunate enough to be a preschool promise site with the Relief Nursery. So we have a licensed certified teacher, full-time assistant. We serve four days, full, regular full school schedule. And it just, you know, the benefits are just outstanding. The relationship between the preschool and our kindergarten teachers you know, when we talk about barriers between early learning and elementary schools, there are still, we could always do better, but 
the, we're in the same building. We're speaking the same language, right, right? right? We can walk across the hall and talk about kiddos when they get ready to transition to kindergarten. So it's just really been I, a, a partnership that I can't imagine not having. Before becoming principal at Jackson, you taught elementary school for 12 years, and you've spent your career working in Title I schools. Tell me, and you, you touched on this a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about the connection between early learning uh, before kindergarten and what happens in the early grades and how you see that. You know, I really didn't, you know, I, I've, I've always been in Title I schools, and um, it's just the population that's near and dear to my heart. I have a just a real passion for serving this community and communities that are typically underserved and underheard, underrepresented often. But, you know, the disparity of that early learning has never been as stark to me as as in my current experience, mostly because I was a classroom teacher before that and you are kind of entrenched in your own world. And so the experience at Jackson has really allowed me to see system-wide where there are just gaping holes and need. It's just, you know, the... Um, the disparities are really enormous around how students come, how children come to us as five-year-olds and where they are on their readiness. And, and you know, we can have kiddos that still come. I mean, we still, even though we're chipping away at that pie, we still have about 60% that are coming without high-quality prior preschool experience. So we really feel like we're chipping away at it, but there's still a significant number. And then, you know, two miles down the road, you um, have kiddos that are coming far more prepared and ready. They've, you know, been in multiple years of preschool. They're fairly self-regulated. They're already having some academic kind of skills. So it's just really, it really tugs at my heart that the, the need for addressing families in the home from birth to five, is just, I think, absolutely where our communities need to be looking. If we can address those healthy, stable families, uh, address the needs to help kiddos get ready to go, we can really start to to level the playing field, right? They, They just, they come in so vastly different, but the expectation for all of them is the same. We expect them to reach the same milestones at the same time. And they come in like two totally different worlds. So I just think that's what has really driven my passion for early learning and and family engagement and parent support and all of that. I think until we really address that, I said that earlier, but until we address that, I really think we're fighting an uphill battle. It speaks to the question of equity and how we think about Mm -hmm. equitable resources for kids and families, right? Absolutely. Right. I also want to ask you about the P3 funding, P3 being Mm -hmm. shorthand for prenatal to third. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's it's kind of an awkward acronym, but Mm -hmm. that's from the Oregon Community Foundation. So how's that grant supporting your school? We have been so fortunate with the Oregon Community Foundation. It helps our school. It's helped in some of those examples that I gave you earlier around community partnerships. We've really tried to leverage um, strong community and, and social agency partnerships to provide this community-wide school, right? So the P3 grant, um, both financially and connection-wise, has allowed us to really hear from other communities in what efforts are being 
made in other areas and trying to duplicate efforts like that. It's helped bridge this, um, you know, where you sort of feel like you're on an island sometimes. In the, in the P3 learning community piece, we really have islands all over the state that we can share collectively what's working and not working, and let's build on what's working together as a state. Financially, it has supported things like our our alignment with early learning and elementary. We've tried to convene, we have convened over the years, um, representatives from both sectors and thought about um, professional learning teams. So we um, meet regularly during the year or the representatives meet regularly during the year and tackle things like what are developmentally appropriate practices? How do we communicate with families? Um, how do we assess what students know and are able to do and really share that between early learning providers and elementary grades. We've worked really hard on how do we transition kids from preschool or their home, friends, family, neighborhood kind of sector to, pre to kindergarten. And how do we not make that such a stark difference from when they walk into our door. So there's been a lot of kind of collective meetings like that. We've thought a lot about best practices and doing kind of book studies around the whole brain child and other kinds of kind of best practices to share common learning. Um, a lot of our work with, P with the P3 funding has focused on that family engagement piece. One of the really wonderful things about the P3 grant is kind of the technical assistance piece where when we gather data from events and things that we try, a kindergarten readiness parenting education class, let's say, we gather kind of um, parent surveys, you know, was this helpful to you, what, that kind of thing. And the, the group with P3, with the Oregon Community Foundation, helps us kind of analyze that and figure out, so how can we respond to this and what would be a strategic move? Um, I can give you an example to that if you... That'd be great. So we do an incoming kindergarten questionnaire for all families now, and now we have it over multiple years' time. So it's really strong evidence around whether or not we're, we're affecting change. And so there's a variety of questions on there. One, for example, is, you know, did your child attend um, a high-quality formal preschool program? Another is, do, what, what are your desires for your child for their educational career? Do you expect and hope them to graduate from high school, um, to go on to post-secondary education? What are your aspirations for your child? Um, do you feel comfortable and confident in helping your child with their schoolwork at home? How many books do you have in the home? A variety of these questions. And without the technical assistance from this group, we really wouldn't quite know why those questions were on there and what do they mean. Well, one of the questions, you know, that how many books do you have in your home, 26 or less is an indicator of a family that's likely not supporting a lot of early literacy in the home. And what we learned is we have this huge amount, year after year, this huge amount of families that say, yeah, I want my child to have post-secondary education. I have huge and high aspirations for them. No, I don't feel confident in helping them with their schoolwork at home. And we have 26 or less books at home. So they drew this really strong correlation between this information. And they helped us say, okay, you need to help families feel more confident and you need to get more books in the home.
And so we, we, th- we, we took that as an action plan and started a variety of different ways to get free books in the home and to try to draw families in to do some parenting support with them so they'd feel confident in what to do with those books at home. That's a great example. Thank yeah. you. Sure. Thinking ahead for Jackson Elementary, what's your vision for the school and for the kids and families in your community? I want our kids and families to be empowered, to um, advocate for themselves, and to really believe that they can achieve and grow and learn in any which way possible. I want families to feel uh, strong and healthy together and really connected to the school as a partner and to feel that you know, this community hub that we have worked so hard to have is on their side to to break down barriers and obstacles and make the aspirations that we have for our kids possible. I've been thinking a lot around systems and the idea that all of the efforts, and this is this is true for any organization really, but you know, you put so much time and effort into um, creating change and impacting lives. But if they're not systems, if they're not ingrained in our system, they go away when people change, right? Sure. So I I think a lot about that, like how much of the hard work that we've been working on over the last six or seven years is really now really truly part of our system. Mm -hmm. And so whether my parent outreach coordinator changes or not, the system is still in place. You have consistency there. Yeah. Right? And so that's a huge vision from where I'm at right now. I really feel like I want this to be, this is long time, long term work. I want it to be systems work because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And oftentimes we feel like we're sprinting to the finish line. And I think that is a mistake. I think we just need to settle in and realize this is a marathon. And in order to get there, the metrics are are somewhat slow and spread out. But if we have systems in place to create this change, we can comprehensively support kids and families in our community over years' time. That's fantastic. Thank you. It's great to have you in Portland today. Thanks so much. It's great to speak with you. Thank you for having me. This is Rafael Otto bringing you the Early Link Podcast. Children's Institute is working to ensure a strong beginning for Oregon's children. Learn more at childinst.org.